We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for June 26th, 2017. We're going to just go through some Bible verses now of what they alluded to in the previous study. And uh, I'm just going to just be reading a lot of different Bible verses, essentially, which, which relate to what we were talking about. Exodus 25 uh, says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God. And I believe there, he's in reference to idols. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So, I do believe in the whole process, and I believe this is something you can incorporate into your prayer life, into the whole binding and loosing thing, is regarding this whole thing of um, this iniquity of the fathers. Because you might have had... Um, I don't know, parents or grandparents or great-grandparents that didn't want anything to do with God and that maybe hated God. I know my dad especially, you know, did up until the very, very end. Um, and it's saying here, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. And remember, iniquity was, I believe, the worst type of I don't know, I guess sin, which was missing the mark, but under the, the whole banner of sin, it seemed to be the most serious type. He, remember, it was the one where he said iniquity be, would be described as if you were the archer and you took the arrow and you just blatantly like went to the guy next to you and shot him in the foot. I mean, it's just blatant, outright, willful, premeditated, like sin toward God, almost, is, is what it seemed to be described as. So you don't want that iniquity visited upon you and your generations. And I believe by praying in a specific way, we can break that. And the, these are the curses. These are, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation is a generational curse. And that we can break, we have the power through the Lord Jesus Christ as ambassadors of Christ to break that off us and our families. But we need to take action and actually pray regarding that matter. And um, and again, I, I don't think it's something you just do one time. I believe it's a process. That's what I've learned about the whole thing with the binding and loosing. It is, it's, it's a process. So um, something that you can incorporate into your prayer life easily. And we're going to get more into that now. Uh, Exodus 26 then says, and showing mercy toward, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is long suffering and great and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation. So therefore it's it's stated again that this is something that happens. Um, next verse, pardon, I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. Now, this is, this is, um, asking God to pardon the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. So in other words, what are you doing here? You're humbling yourself before God. You're asking God to pardon this iniquity of the people according unto the greatness of your mercy. Of God's mercy. Uh, and as thou hast forgiven this people from e 
from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Verse 21, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, have not hearkened unto my voice. They had saw all these miracles from God after being delivered out of Egypt, and yet they were still rebellious, and yet they still had really like no faith. And they had seen all these blatant, in-your-face miracles, like the parting of the Red Sea and all this stuff that had happened. And they still were rebellious, and they made the golden calf, and they worshipped it, and, and you know they were doing all of these, these rebellious things. And you could do you know, a huge study on that by itself. And they have not hearkened unto his voice. And that's why they were not allowed to go into the promised land. Sure, And then it goes on to say, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. They were not allowed to go, but the generation after them were. Their, their, the generation they produced were. Neither shall any of them that provoked it me see it. And then, then he goes on to give the exception when Caleb was one of them and, and because he had faith. Well, so you don't want to tempt God. <laughs> You, you want to go to him in a very humble way. You want to ask for his mercy. You want to ask for him to forgive the iniquities of the forefathers, you know, that have, that have went before you, to forgive them and, and, and to confess their sins. It's, it's almost like, you know, even though they're not around, even though they may not be even around, they may, they may have passed on. It's just that scriptural principle of breaking those curses under the third and fourth generation. I believe that's why... You're doing this. And by you going to God and humbling yourself, and there's all these scriptural precedent to do this, you can break that. And who knows what type of effect that can have on your family. And it might be the very thing hindering maybe certain family members that you have of not getting saved because this hasn't been done. Okay, so let's go forward here. Uh, Okay, so let's go to Daniel. Now, we, he talked about Daniel 9, and we're going to go through most of the verses in Daniel 9. Daniel 9, 3, uh, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He's doing the 21 day, known as now as the Daniel fast. It's a partial fast. He did it with sackcloth and ashes. He fasted. He, what, what is sackcloth and ashes? Well, it's humbling yourself in probably the most severe way you could humble yourself. Okay, before God. And and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and great and dreadful God, keep the covenant in mercy to them that love him, keeping the covenant in mercy to them that love him, and to keep them and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned. So here is where we get this example of a really good way I really believe to break these sins of the forefathers, the iniquity of the forefathers that are carried to the third and fourth generation. Here is a good template, okay, that we can use as a, as a template to follow. We have sinned and, commit, and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly. See, he's owning their sin. He may not have done any of this, but he is almost including himself in this, which is also a way of I could see how that would be endearing to God. Like, you're willing to own up to sin you didn't even commit. 
You know, I mean, that's that's really that's a one cool dude. If you ask me, I mean, that's like he I mean, Daniel was was much beloved of God. I doubt he was he was really doing any of this stuff that had so grieved God in the generations before him. It, there's there's a very I'm not saying he was like perfect, but, you know, Daniel was a really good dude. OK, and, and it says we have sinned and, and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from the precepts and from thy judgments. Uh, neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in the name of our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and all the people of the land. O Lord, to, to us belongeth confusion of the fa of face to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. So in other words, the whole land was, was in confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. The kings were confused. The princes were confused. The fathers were confused. They weren't hearkening unto the true prophets of God. If they were hearkening to anybody, they were hearkening to the prophets that were tickling their ears and who they were hearing who they wanted to. You know, give, give me something that's going to sound good and, and feel good, which is so common with today's supposed uh, prophets. So what, what was the result of all that? Confusion. Because they weren't hearing from God. Because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by, this, by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us. The curse is poured upon us. So again, this is this is this whole, you know, who knows how long this has been going on too. It, this is, remember, you know, you read what you sow and if every generation is doing this, it gets like compounded and it tends to get worse over time and the generations get more wicked. And you see examples of that in, in, in the Bible. Um, Jeremiah 7, 11, and 14, where it had gotten so bad in Israel that they were sacrificing their sons and daughters and baking cakes to the queen of heaven and think they were, they had literally so deluded themselves to think that they were doing it like, and it was pleasing to God. I mean, you, if you read Jeremiah 7, 11, and 14, they, that's basically the, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically the deluded mindset they had gotten themselves into because they were so demonically blinded. They thought that they were, you know, sacrificing their children and this was pleasing to God. Child sacrifice. That's how bad they were deluded and deranged in their thinking process. <clears throat> you, you let Satan get a hold of you, man. I tell you, it's... <laughs> so going further... Uh, Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, uh, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servants of God, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he keeps reiterating over and over, this is because we are in transgressing against you, it's because we have sinned against you. He's trying in every way, shape, and form to own up to all the sins of the forefathers and the iniquities of the forefathers. And what does that require? Humility. And again, there's a very, very high likelihood Daniel wasn't even a part of any of this. He was the best of the best. 
He was beloved of God, yet he was still doing this, which shows what an awesome man of God he was, that he was willing to own up to this, and he really wasn't even participating in this, you know? Um, so you can kind of see why God would love him so much, because it's like, wow, you know, I, this is awesome, you know, there, there's a guy there that's not even doing this, and yet he's owning up to it, and yet he's fasting about it, and yes, he's yet he's humbling himself in sackcloth and ashes, you know, that's about as, as awesome as it gets, as far as a, a man or a woman of God doing something like that, uh, and I, you could see how that would be pleasing to God. Yeah, I'm telling you, humility is where it's at <laughs> when it comes to God. So, um, I mean, just get I me mean, just talking about this gets me fired up. Just th this is just awesome. Uh, so then it goes on to say, um, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. We're, they're reaping what they sowed. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because... For our sins and for our iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. So he's entreating God for his mercy. He's admitting, he's confessing, the iniquities of the forefathers, and then he's entreating God for God's mercy. And he's realized, and he's doing this in such a way where he's realizing, Lord, you're our only hope, obviously. Um, if you don't do this, we're going to be destroyed. And you're our only hope. Please have mercy on us. Uh, you know, humbling himself as a little child like Solomon did. And that was one of the other times in the Bible where you see where, you know, he humbled himself as a little child and you see that that pleased God. And there's not a lot of places in the Bible where it's ever said that, where they actually noted that this actually pleased God. But because he did that, he got, not only did he get wisdom and because that's what he asked for, but because he didn't ask for the riches and all the other stuff that went along with it, he got that in more abundance than any other man in the history of mankind. Solomon. Other than Jesus, obviously, I mean, as far as wisdom goes. Uh, but now Solomon, yes, we had talked about he did stray. He let, you know, when you have a thousand, you know, between, you split it up, was it like 700 concubines and 300 wives or something? I don't know. It was a lot. And these women are pagans, uh, probably the vast majority of them, they're going to draw, they drew his heart away, you know, and then he got off on the wrong path. Okay, let's go back to this. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon the sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, 
Open thine eyes, and behold our desolations. In the city, which is called by thy name, for we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. So in other words, we're not, I'm not coming to you with these prayer supplications because we're righteous. Because <laughs> we're not. But I'm, I'm beseeching you on behalf of your great mercies because you're a merciful God. That's why he's doing it. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, hearken, and do defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And whilst I was speaking and praying, so he, he says all of this stuff, he confesses the iniquities of the fathers in a kind of a lot of different ways. Then he, then he beseeches God for his great mercies to be upon the people. Then what happens? This is awesome. So then what happens? Um, and whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, so he's doing both, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel. Woo! <laughs> Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, God's main messenger angel. <laughs> now, he presented as a man because that's how angels will typically appear to humans. If they come in their full glory, you're going to probably drop dead and die. Okay, you, you couldn't handle an angel showing up in his full glory. You would, you would most likely drop dead right there. I don't even care if you're a Christian. You're, you're not going to be able to handle it. Okay, and so... Uh, Gabriel shows up and whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning uh, being caused to fly swiftly touched me about the time of evening oblation and he informed me and talked with me and said oh Daniel I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding man can you imagine Gabriel showing up to give you skill and understanding <laughs> oh man that would be awesome <laughs> at the beginning ah, sorry I'm getting choked up um, at the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth and I am come to show thee for thou art greatly beloved now that the Bible doesn't say that very many times I, I don't I don't know I didn't do a keyword search on greatly beloved but I don't think there's a lot of people in the Bible that were ever viewed, I'm not saying throughout history, I'm not saying we're not greatly beloved in the sight of the Father, but I'm saying where it actually mentions that, you know, in the Bible. But Gabriel says that to Daniel. But, you know, I mean, look at what Daniel's doing. He's humbling himself before the people. Here's a guy that's serving God. He's, he's confessing the sins and the iniquities of the forefathers. He didn't have to do all this, but he's doing it. And it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference with what he's doing. And, you know, now the book of Daniel plays a lot into the end times that we're heading into because we got a lot of insights into the end times from the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. I mean, those are the two main books where we look at the tribulation period, you know. And I, I know there's other parts of the New Testament, other parts of the Bible as well, but I'm talking about the if you only could pick two books in the Bible 
the top that that were going and, and you only had two books to go by regarding the tribulation what two books would you pick well you'd pick daniel and you'd pick revelation you know because you're going to get the most insight from the two books those two in particular so um he says thou art greatly beloved therefore understand the matter and consider the vision so again there's a nice good kind of template that 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 we can use uh, the the scriptural templates of of doing this uh that we can add to our prayer uh lists that that we have and who knows what what type of yokes this could break in in other people's lives uh in in the lives of your family in the life in, in your own life even how it might be affecting you because maybe it's never been done i need to do this this more i've been doing a lot with the binding and loosing but i haven't really been doing this and so um this is exciting stuff here and then how this figures into the whole epigenetics thing because if you've got some type of 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 curse on you that hasn't been lifted and you're not aware of it well again we're destroyed for lack of knowledge we're not even aware of it but it's still affecting us maybe you're still struggling with something and you're not understanding well why has this not been broken maybe this is the key for you or maybe this is the key for a family member that is hardened toward god and you don't understand why they're so hardened toward god maybe this is the key for them getting the getting the scales removed from their eyes getting the yoke broken off them and and for them actually getting saved or maybe them breaking free from an addictive pattern now this is just some bonus information i I put in here um because one of the things that that um david said in one of his prayers and again i'm not going to be super dogmatic on this one but i don't see how this could hurt throwing this in when i'm going to be when i'm getting ready to tell you i don't see how it's going to hurt okay um i don't want to you know ever put you down the wrong path i just don't see how this information is going to hurt because it is scriptural psalm 51 7 says purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow now i'm not saying that hyssop um this plant is what you know it's not like the blood of jesus christ which cleanses up cleanseth us from all sin but could there be some type of scriptural application of using hyssop in our lives it says purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow well okay was it gonna hurt to maybe use some essential oil of hyssop maybe on a i don't know weekly everyday basis i don't know um you can research hyssop and and see what properties that it has in fact let's let's look at that real quick okay this is just a brief description here um and this is where i got my hyssop from amanda apothecary.com i believe for the money and for the quality they've got about the best essential oils up there and i don't ever tell anybody to go the young living route young living he's a descendant of brigham young he's a mormon new ager pseudo christian and it's all a big pyramid multi-level scheme anyway i trust me i was in the company for a long time before i figured all this out but um 
hyssop uh, aromatherapy use is considered, um, I guess there's only one kind that's considered safe for aromatherapy, hyssop decumbens, because there's different varieties of it. You can, you can use it in aromatherapy, which probably would be really good as well. It's one of the most potent antiviral essential oils. So it's very, very good against viruses. When inhaled, it's for aromatherapy, it's supposedly very effective in loosening tightness in the chest and relieving bronchial spasms. Now, I'm sure there's a lot more to it. I wasn't really planning on doing a, a, a study in hyssop. All I can tell you is that hyssop in the Bible um, is... Um, uh, it says it about this, okay? Now, where, hyssop's not mentioned a lot in the Bible, but where else is it mentioned? Well, let's go to John 19.28. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, meaning Jesus' life was, was basically everything that, that needed to be done in Scripture. All the prophecies at that point had been fulfilled, but one. He was on the cross, okay, when, when this verse was written. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, there was one last thing left for the scripture, for one last prophecy left for Jesus, as far as li the, the living Jesus, he was still on the cross, still living, had to be fulfilled. Now, there were other prophecies he fulfilled afterward, okay? Death, burial, and resurrection, the whole nine yards, okay? I don't know. I mean, this is this is pretty heavy. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. So Jesus said, I, I, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop, this herb branch plant, hyssop, and put it in his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar... He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That was literally the last thing that happened before he died on the cross. And it had to do with hyssop. Hyssop was part of that. Now, I'm sure I could do a study on this and probably find out all kind of profound things about this. And it's probably already been done. Okay, I just thought that that was kind of noteworthy. You know? Now, what Bible verse prophecy did that fulfill? Because remember, it said that the scripture might be fulfilled. He said, Jesus, knowing that all things that were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. So he knew he had one last thing to do before he left this earth, before he gave up the ghost on the cross and died, okay? Of course, he rose again three days later, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. But what prophecy was that? Psalm 69, 21, which is where we also, the Psalms, Psalm 51, 7, which it says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Okay. Psalm 69, 21, it says, They gave me also gall for my meat. Now, this is a this is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. They gave me gall for my meat, and my thirst, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. That is a scriptural, that's just one of the hundreds of prophecies that were fulfilled by jesus but it was the last one while he was still alive and it has to do with hyssop i don't know i just kind of thought it was noteworthy i wanted to throw that in there there's something having to do with hyssop though where it's a cleansing thing and i don't know if it 
I can't tell you what exactly it's doing. I'm, I'm sure if, if I did a whole study on hyssop, it probably has a lot of detoxification effects in the body as well. But I do think there's some type of spiritual application because it says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Now, is that just talking about a, a physical washing? No, I think there's some type of spiritual application here. and you, you never know. I'm just saying I wanted to at least throw it in. I don't think it's going to hurt anything. I don't want to make any kind of gigantically dogmatic statements here. But you might want to get some essential oil of hyssop. I don't, and, and, and anyway, just for the um, if you uh, aromatherapy, you know, if you want to, um, uh, if we get hit with a, um, a really bad virus, or let's say a pandemic or whatever, well, it says here, that the hyssop decumbens, which is the one they're selling here at Amanda Apothecary, uh, is considered the only hyssop variety safe for aromatherapy. Okay, so that's the kind you want to use for aromatherapy. Is that the kind I got? Yeah, I got the hyssop decumbens. Okay, it's not cheap. I mean, for five milliliters, it's twenty dollars and fifty-five cents. Uh, but for ten, you can get double the amount for twenty-eight. It's going to last you a long time if you do. Now, granted, if you get an aromatherapy, get an ultrasonic aromatherapy. I think everybody should have one of these because if for a pandemic or whether your child gets sick and they, um, and again, for, okay, oh, wow, think about this. What might it be doing on an epigenetic standpoint? The hyssop. Man, I'm going to start doing this. If you get one of these ultrasonic, um, I feel like the Lord's showing me more stuff here. Okay, let's go to sparknaturals.com. Okay, I like sparknaturals.com. I don't buy my essential oils there other than, now this is the one place though that you can get, remember I had talked about the, um, um, they've got the, uh, that Thieves blend, the one that, that, you know, that Young Living came out with, the Thieves, incredibly antiviral, antibacterial, you can you can make the um, the the hand sanitizers with it. You know it's the natural hand sanitizers. Please don't use these other kind, the kind that are like the, those alcohol based, the ones that just dissolve right in your skin. They're horrible for you. I, I got into a study on that recently. They're literally one of the depopulation tools. Okay, and then that also they're almost like an antibiotic. They allow super strains to develop. Okay, but this thieves blend that you can literally make yourself if you go to sparknaturals.com and go to their essential oils. Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm like I'm like looking at where they've got their um, thieves blend. I'm trying to find it right now, um, and you can make your own hand sanitizer. That's all. I, that's what I use. I've got it in my car. If I go anywhere, if I'm like touching a lot of different handles or whatever, I'll get in my car and I have like these, um, I'll have a towel in the car or sometimes I have like these really good, like, um, they're more like natural wet wipes or whatever. They're the fresh and clear from seventh generation. You can buy them by the case on eBay. It's the best way to buy them because they're a lot cheaper that way. But they've got all these different blends that they sell. They've got calming blend and digestive blend and focus blend and all these others. And it, most of these companies tend to be on a little on the new agey side, I'll be honest with you. So I'd pray over whatever you get from them. They've got a headache relief, but they've got this shield protective blend. And you can make a whole lot of this Thieves 
hand sanitizer, okay, that you could use in a pandemic type, and I use it on an everyday basis anyway, um, and, you know, you go, let's say you go to the gym, or you go, well, you get in the car, I spray my hands with this stuff, I just, you know, wipe it on my hands, and maybe have a towel there, and, and you know, your hands are basically sanitized from, from an essential oil thing, but they've got their blends, you can, 15 milliliters of this stuff cost uh, 28.80, but you can make a whole lot of the blend because you're going to be using their um i think they tell you how to do it here if you search the site if you search spark naturals they can tell you how to use witch hazel and this and water and you can make your own blends but they've got not only do they have that but they've got the um their diffusers and these by far are the diffusers i would use i would not use a regular essential oil diffuser because you're going to go through so much essential oil it is going to be cost prohibitive i mean you're you're gonna you're just gonna spend gobs of money okay but these new diffusers they got out now these ultrasonic diffusers this is the one i've got it's the white zao do diffuser i believe it looks like the one i've got i would get this one it's 60 bucks okay but the deal is, is you can put a lot of liquid in there. The other ones that are cheaper, they only have a, they only, you can only put a little bit in there. They only run for like 45 minutes or half hour. It's just, it, they're a pain because you got to constantly keep refilling them. You get into a pandemic type scenario and you run in one of these with that thieves in there, it's going to sanitize all the air is the whole point I'm trying to make. You can literally have somebody coming in that even might have been exposed to something they come in you don't have to worry about them spreading their germs anywhere if this is running and running in the room granted you don't want to go up and in you know whatever but i mean this is going to really be a unbelievable insurance policy for you to, now another thing you have a child that can't sleep like a baby i used to do this with taylor i'd run lavender in it it'd knock her right out i mean just knocked her out every time um and I mean in a good way. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, very um, good thing to do. Um, another thing you can do with lavender, I just found out, you can get those wool dryer balls. You can get them on eBay. And you can use those to as a fabric softener. You can stop using the fabric softener, which is just loaded with horrible chemicals. And you put a few drops of lavender oil on the wool balls, and your, and your clothes just smell unbelievable. Not only does it soften the fabric, and it's good for the fabric, but it's also infusing that lavender all over your clothes. And, oh, man, it, it smells wonderful. So that's another thing you can do with lavender. But you can use these for, like, okay, if somebody gets sick, you can run it in the room. I understand you can run a, you can run a uh, like, the, um, oh, those, I don't know, the nebulizer-type things uh, where, where it's putting out the steam and stuff, the steam ones. Yeah, that is an option. This is a more, I believe, a more practical option to do on an everyday basis. And you can put whatever essential oils. And here's the thing. It only takes like, you know, 10 drops or whatever of a particular essential. And you can run these things for hours. And the essential oils go so much further in these things. So this is something you could do with the hyssop. And here's the thing. From an epigenetic standpoint, I'm really getting keyed into Everything that we're doing on an everyday basis is either turning switches on or it's turning them off, okay? Or it's up-regulating or down-regulating. Well, there's something going on with hyssop and a lot of these different essential oils that are going to be up-regulating and turning the good genetics that we have on. And who knows what hyssop could do? 
because of what it said in the Bible. And there's a lot of other things mentioned in the Bible. Frankincense and myrrh and a lot of these other essential oils. Who knows on an epigenetic level what that's doing to us genetically. And let me tell you something. We need every bit of help we can get right now with all the ways they're trying to downregulate us and destroy our genetics and destroy our genome and defile our DNA. So everything we can do and that we can control in our own environment, I really think we need to really try to prioritize and do. And obviously, I have no vested interest in saying any of that. But I'm saying that if you do this, I would get a good, a, a, a really good um, ultrasonic diffuser here. I get the white. I got the white Zach Dew diffuser. I know it's a weird name on SparkNaturals.com, and that's a good one. It's got a. I, 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 the reason I'm saying this is because I can verify it works. I can verify it has a nice big tank. It holds 80 milliliters of water. I think yeah. And it has these multiple LED lights that you can turn those on or off, but it goes like to these different, and they're really pretty. Um, so it's almost like sight therapy, aromatherapy, the whole nine yards. Uh, and you're not going to burn through a ton of essential oils. And then I really believe that, you know, you can buy some of the essential oils from Spark Naturals. And the other ones I would advise getting from Amanda's Apothecary. Amanda Apothecary, she's got a lot of different organic essential oils. But also see that, like, with the hyssop, note that the only kind that you can diffuse is this hyssop decumbens. Now, they've got a hyssop, an organic hyssop officialis here, but I guess you can't uh, diffuse that one. Um, this one, the, the one that's a hyssop officialis, is used only with understanding of its potency where its use is preferred for particular recipes and uses. Hyssop is considered a potent antiviral oil, and these are both nice varieties. So I guess this one, I don't know, maybe you'd use it more in recipes. Um, oh, they, they give a whole lot more on hyssop. It's, hyssop's oil primarily in aromatherapy has been used for respiratory and digestive complaints, Externally for rheumatism, bruises, sores, earaches, toothaches, it has been used to regulate blood pressure and is a general nerve tonic, relieving uh, states of anxiety or hysteria. Hyssop is listed for in the current British herbal pharmacia for bronchitis and common cold. Um, other types of hyssop, other than the decumbens, may contain toxic ketones and should not be used for aromatherapeutic, aromatherapeutic applications. So you got to be a little careful. It's good to do your research. This is why I like this website, this Amanda Apothecary, because they really go in detail on every oil. What you can do with it, what you can't. Not all oils are, a lot of oils are ingestible. Like you can put some of the oil in a capsule, but just remember, these are really, really super concentrated, okay? And some of them aren't, and some of them are for topical, some of them are for aromatherapy, some of them aren't. So it's good to get educated on them and always that like with this it says always test a small amount um maybe um if you're to see if you're allergic to it on maybe a part of your skin that wouldn't normally be allergic um it tells you all the different ways you can use it so anyway i wasn't even planning on doing that but i i really think with this whole epigenetic subject that it's got me got me really thinking about like Things that you just don't even think about, like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if I do this. or Yeah, it does. It really does matter if you do that or if you don't do that because you're, you're, you're turning switches on and off in the body from a genetic standpoint. Um, 
Now, I also posted the teaching here on how to bind and loose um, spirits scripturally. Okay, now I know it's Wynne Worley. I know he's, he's of a Pentecostal bent. I get it. Glean, okay? I'm not saying he's the foremost expert. Uh, he passed away, I believe. Uh, I just think there is a lot of good scriptural principles in there, what he's talking about. And Jesus did give us that right to do this binding and loosing and these types of things so i posted the the link to that and then i posted a sample of a deliverance prayer and a breaking curses prayer and these are just brief ones basically it's just giving you a little template okay and i'm not even going to go over that i'm going to let you go to the pdf and look at them it's they're only a paragraph a piece but it gives you a little bit of idea about breaking curses um maybe a little bit of self-deliverance which kind of goes along with the binding and loosing which goes along with the study that we're doing today, which they really didn't get into that aspect of it in the teaching. Even though they were coming at it from a Christian standpoint, they really didn't get into the demonic component. You know, and I don't know why they didn't. Maybe in that six DVD set they do. But again, my time's so limited, I can't just, I just don't have the time to sit down and go through six DVDs with all the other stuff that's going on in the world. And for me to try to keep up with the current events. And, and all of the other stuff with being a watchman and answering all the questions and doing all the other stuff that I do. Uh, so, again, I'm just trying to get you moving in the right direction there regarding all of this. Uh, okay. So, now, we're going to go into a totally different subject here. So, it's not a totally different, but we're going to go into now the nutritional aspect of the subject of epigenetics. So, I think it'd probably be a good idea for me to just end part two here. So we may kind of make a clean break so we kind of delineate this stuff. And we're going to go to part three next. We're going to shift gears here and now broaden this out. So God bless you and we will see you in part three.